Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have an incredibly exciting episode with actress Brie Elrod, who you've seen in Sean Baker's Red Rocket. She's incredible. I watched that film, and right away, I just was so blown away by her presence and what she did with that character. She's amazing. I was unfortunately a little sick when we recorded this, so I apologize if I uh, my voice goes in and out, but I'm feeling better, and uh, Brie, I got so much love for you. Brie Elrod, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. It's I'm doing great. Amazing to have you here. You were Thank so you. amazing in, in Red Rocket. I was Thanks. looking forward to that film for so long. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Sean Baker's obviously incredible, yeah. but uh, you stood out to me like a fucking lightning bolt. You were oh, incredible you. and so good. And then, like, we find out we have 5,000 mutual. It's like. Small world. <laughs> I mean, in the most odd, like, old job, you know? But I know. I'm just so proud of you, and I, I, you. I'm so curious to. To learn more and celebrate you. Well, thank and you. Uh, yeah, thank I'm you for being here. I'm excited to be here. It's fun to be on this wild red rocket ride, and I've just been savoring every second of it. I mean, it's been from can till now. Oh, yeah. yeah. From can. I know. Even just that. How did I'm that like, feel? oh, that's Let me right. yeah. Well, surreal, you know, because yeah. we, we did this uh, in the middle of COVID, in the height of COVID. It was very. This meaning the, the, the shoot. Film. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. shoot. And it was so it was precarious you know the stakes were high no one could get it or else we'd probably have to shut down the you know the shooting of it because yeah. it was such a low budget that we weren't able to you know just say okay everybody go for two weeks and you know, quarantine no we had to so we were testing all the time everyone was masked you know everyone had their own space people drove their own vehicles you know and so it was kind of a miracle that this thing was even made you know so the fact that all of a sudden i'm getting an audio message from sean baker saying We've been accepted into the main competition at the Cannes Film Festival. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is amazing. Yeah. It was very surreal. I played that like four times just to to think, you know, I was like, is this real? Is this happening? Is this real life? I'm still waiting yeah. for that day, you know? I mean, <laughs> oh, wait, this, the show's called An Actor Despair, so <laughs> I know. Oh, hopefully I love one the day it'll be, show. you know, but uh, let's yeah. start from the beginning. Where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in Topeka, Kansas. Okay. Born and raised. Uh, I'm a seventh generation Kansan, so my wow. roots are deep in the state of Kansas. Your brother... Um, Carson, Carson is an actor yes. who I worked with his, his girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. 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 Jenny. yeah. Um, yeah. He is also an actor who did Congress yesterday, right? Yes. Or, oh my God. Yeah. He just testified as a spe special witness, um, on a congressional hearing about the creative economy. And it was so inspiring. I'm, I'm so in awe of his advocacy for the arts because, you know, as you know, the pandemic. Being Arts Hero is the handle, right? Yeah. yeah. Being Arts Hero, Arts Workers United. Um, and they are, really an amazing group of people who are just trying to raise awareness that the arts are in peril right now, um, given yeah. the pandemic. I mean, they always, the arts are always in a state of uh, flux because totally. of funding and grants and whatnot. And the pandemic has wiped out a lot of, um, you know, vital arts organizations. Particularly and, theater. Oh I mean, God, right yeah. now, I mean, it's like, I yeah. mean, there's a question of like, is it ever going to Come I know. Back, so. I know. And when you think it is, right? Yeah. When you think it is, it's like, oh, That's now there's a variant. That's my survival job. I bartend on Broadway. Oh, my. So I'm so fucked right now. Well, and that's yeah. part of what Carson yeah. was saying is that 
all of the restaurants and all of the pl- you know parking garages. Actually, everything. Don't talk me. I I don't bartend on Broadway. <laughs> no, no. You're like no, 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 no. no. Yeah. You're like I. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like all everything's affected yeah. when the theater is affected. Yeah. Everything around it, you know. So it is. Uh, it is hard times. So yeah. Anyway. But yeah, Carson and I grew up in Topeka. Um, older or, or younger? He's young, or he's older. Okay. I'm um, the younger sister. And then I went to... Uh, Parents not, artists or uh, no? No, both lawyers. My mom's a law professor. My well. dad was in law. So um, I was kind of heading in that direction. I majored in political science in college. And I was really kind of set to maybe Where'd follow... Where'd you go? On undergrad? Uh, Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. Wow. It's one of the sites of the uh, the fifth lincoln Douglas debate okay. um beautiful campus liberal arts tiny like 1200 students yeah um but one of the first colleges to um you know accept bipoc and and women and i i just there's there's such a it's such a cool school i really had a great experience there and i was able to still pursue theater even though i was majoring in political science it's not one of those like huge schools where it's like once you pick this there's no going back you yeah. know so i was able to you know, I always found myself running over when auditions were happening um, to try and audition because I just I couldn't not do that. I just I was always drawn to the stage. I was drawn to the theater. So. So w- when did the theater bug start to ignite for you? I've always loved the theater. And I, my mom took us to see plays and musicals growing up. I went to like theater camp and that stuff. But I always just um, never really thought of it as a profession until I got to college. And then I had some really wonderful teachers there. Liz, Carlin Metz, and Doc Bob, Ivan Davidson, people who just really believed in me. And they said, you know, you really could pursue that. You could make this a profession if you wanted to. And I, I guess I... How I old are you when they were telling you this? I mean, 20, yeah. 22. Yeah. And, and so then... I started to think about it and I was talking to my mom because I was going to go to law school and she, you know, she said, you know, you can always go back to law school. You know, you don't have to, you know, she's like, I have a lot of non-traditional students who are in their 40s, 50s that go to law school. And she's like, why don't you go after the thing that makes your heart sing, you know, and what makes your heart, uh, you know, uh, catch fire. And so I was like, well, that's that's theater and that's acting. And so then once I made that decision, I was like, well, I need training. So I auditioned for grad schools and then I got into Juilliard and I got into NYU and I, I was like, okay, this is my path. On and your first go? Yeah. No <laughs> I know. way. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is it. And Carson had gone to NYU. So he I already did his MFA. Yeah, yeah, he was on his way out. And that's the reason I applied there is I had seen how he had grown over his time there. Like yeah. as an actor, I really, he's always been, he always has natural comic ability. He's very, you know, and, and he's an amazing performer. But I also watched him grow and I thought, oh God, that, that's what I need. I need something that's going to help me flourish in that way. So NYU just seemed really kind of, Ragtag, you know, like, uh, at Juilliard is amazing and an yeah. incredible program. But it's, you know, it's Lincoln Center, you know, it's like the red, yeah. you know, carpets, the gorgeous chandeliers. And, you know, NYU, it's like one floor with yeah, like dirty, yeah, yeah. yeah, like yeah. dirty ass wood floors, yeah. like doors slamming left and right, people running down the hall screaming. I was like a bunch of Muppets. I was yeah. like, yeah, this seems like this is my jam. So, that's, so I ended up going down Juilliard. Wow. Well, that's a first for this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I'm sure I would have had an amazing experience there, but I really just was drawn to NYU. And the people who had come from NYU were people that I was, 
you know, Marsha Gay Harden and, uh, you know, Billy Crudup and, yeah. and Mahershala. Yeah, and, totally. You know, I just, they're, they're. Was that, uh, Ron Van Lu days? Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Oh my God. He, and yeah, talk about amazing teachers. He's. Do you remember what pieces you did? Oh gosh. I mean, I, I mean, one particular one that I remember is with Shane McRae. We did a Cowboy Mouth. Um, okay. and I played the, uh, Patty Smith character to his Sam Shepard. And that's when they like locked themselves in the Chelsea hotel and wrote that. Wow. Um, and so I remember doing that and it was really funny. Like we, I feel like when we first did the scene, we were really finding some stuff and then Ron gave us some stuff to work on. And then we went and we completely like just lost it. Like we, we ended up going down the wrong direction. We were just like, we came in and he was like, what, what, what was that? You guys No, that's not what I was. And we were like, ah, <laughs> and then it happened just so happened that Patty Smith happened to be playing some school down in the Gramercy area or whatever. And so Shane and I got tickets. We went to see Patti Smith play. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I like, I suddenly had a different, I mean, I suddenly had a different kind of idea of how to channel things. I mean, I wasn't trying to be Patti Smith in this, but I just knew that she had helped, you know, she had helped write this and had been this kind of muse for Sam Shepard in this way. They wrote it together. So after seeing her perform, I was like, oh, okay. All right. And then we went back in and and uh, had a more successful attempt. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Who, who was in your group at NYU? Um, I had Corey Stoll. Oh, Corey's great. Shane McRae, Susan Kalechi Watson, Josie Whittlesey, uh, Sujean Kim, uh, Taylor White. I I had a, such a an amazing group of uh, people, and we there were uh, seventeen of us or eighteen of us that stayed the whole time, which wow. is kind of a rare thing. So, how many? Only like one or two fell out. No, none. Oh wow! Yeah, the whole crew. Stayed through the whole time. Oh, and Rashad Ernesto Green, who's an amazing filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, and, nice. Was that a great experience? You oh, know, yeah. Amazing. From law to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, because I had just been focusing on political science. And I just, I really needed, I needed three years to just kind of dive into, you know, what my body can do, how my voice sounds, what, how to, you know, just my investigating. And I felt like we were able to really do that as a group. And it was great. You know, it was, it was a really um, informative and life-changing experience for me. That's um, amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad great. you had that. Yeah, me and too. you were super happy with the training. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, loved it. I mean, I I was given an opportunity to play a bunch of different roles, um, everything from like a kid to like an older lady, and I mean, I just I felt like. I really was given a lot uh, to work on and like ch- challenged. I was definitely challenged. And I just, yeah, I feel very fortunate that I had such a wonderful group of people to play with. <laughs> Do you feel like you got to experience New York because that program is so intense? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, not a ton. I mean, because you are there from basically 8 a.m. until 10 p.m. almost like, eight, you know, like eight days a week, basically. Yeah. So I didn't get an opportunity to you know, see a ton or explore a ton. But with the program, uh, we got to go places as a group and yeah. do different things. And of course, like just the walk, I lived in these village. So walking over to NYU from these village, you know, just d- daily walking and, you know, I got to explore the village and, you know, that whole area. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and so then what was your, you know, as you're there, you kind of always prepare for the showcase. Yes. Well, <laughs> did you have an idea of like what you wanted to stay in, in New York, go to LA, like, what? I know I really was kind of open. I was in a relationship at the time who that we had been doing long distance. And so he was kind of leaning towards LA for his program. And so 
I ended up going to LA uh, immediately after graduating. So I didn't even stick around oh. New York. So I went to LA and yeah. And then I was in LA for a few years and I did some national commercials and ended up working at the, uh, funnily enough, I moved to LA and ended up working at the old globe. Like I was like, Oh, really? oh yeah, I'm going to move to LA and do Shakespeare. Yep. That seems right. Okay. So <laughs> that's amazing. So I did like, a, that's where I got my equity contract was doing six, basically a six month contract at the old globe doing, uh, the jailer's daughter, um, directed by Darko Trezniak. Uh, it was great. It was a really cool production. Um, so yeah. So then wow. I was there. Yeah. And was that a good experience, LA? You know, because it can be pretty daunting. Yeah. There. You know, I, I think if you have a group of people that you really love and, you know, that are artistic and, and are in the business for, I don't even know what the right reasons are, but are just... I think, I think LA is, I, I liked LA. I liked living there. I didn't mind driving around. I grew up in, you know, Kansas driving around everywhere. So the traffic didn't really bother me. Um, but, uh, I think it's, it's harder. You don't have the same community as you do here. Like here, you can't escape people. Like you can't yeah. get in a car. I mean, you can, but there's something really like frustrating, but also really inspiring about daily interactions with people on the streets of New York. Whereas in LA, you don't really have that so much. I mean, you don't have, I mean, and there are like bodegas and there's little places that you can get to know your neighbors. But I feel like New York gives me a different kind of artistic fuel um, than I had in L.A. But um, that said, I, I really I enjoyed my time there. That's amazing. Yeah. Did, did you get rep out of the showcase? I did. I got a manager and I think she was a little confused by me. I did two scenes. I did one Martin McDonough, uh, Lieutenant of Inishmore. Yeah. Anyway, um. I played like an Irish, young Irish girl. And then I, the other scene I did was one I wrote with my friend and it was a really funny one. And so I think the manager really kind of wanted to push me more kind of in a Saturday Night Live kind of like sitcom okay. world. And, and like that's Jenny fun. Slate. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which I, you know, totally, I, I, I love and that's a muscle that I can work and I, and I enjoy, um, comedic projects but i also was wanting some more stuff so yeah so i i basically worked with her for a couple of years and then she was just like did not really know what to do with me and was just like uh maybe if you dye your hair or maybe if you get some surgery like maybe you can oh <laughs> i know no it's like brutal and i just remember getting off the phone being like well I guess maybe if I get surgery, then maybe people oh will hire God, me. Business. No, it's so terrible. So I was like, oh, God. Um, and that's when I met Alan Rickman was right after that because I was like, I was so just devastated. And then uh, David Cap here in New York, like brought me into audition for Alan's one woman show. My name is Rachel Corey. Did he tell you who it, the show? Yeah. It, wow. Yeah. Right. And I was, and I just remember being like, oh, sure. Yeah. I'd love to go fall on my face and unrepresented in front of fucking Alan Rickman. That sounds great. Yeah. Sure. Let's do that. And then so, I, and then I, I, you know, I really worked on it. And then I went in and, and Alan just really got me. You know, he just is like, I know, you know, I see what you're trying to do. Like he just, and he became one of my biggest mentors after that. So what, what was the audition experience like? Do you remember what it decides or, you know, you, yeah. I mean, because it was, it was a one woman show. They had already done it in New York. They were bringing over um, Megan, who had done it originally, and I was going to be taking over like the weekends and then eventually taking over. So she's going to start the run, and then yeah. I ended up taking it over from her. And so it was m all monologues. So I just remember 
I didn't even, he really just was sitting at the table and I just sat at the table with him and he said, just read, you know, just read the monologue with me. And so I just read the monologue and, you know, he gave me some notes and we worked on it, but it was very intimate and very just, it wasn't like presentational, like stand up and do it. It was like, let's sit at the table together and find this. It was great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And and was he cool? Was he? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's just a wonderful, he was a wonderful human. And so, uh, benevolent and generous and wanting to like help me and wanting to help all of his actor friends and and really invested in me you know and I I mean the last time I saw him he (laughs) got on a train to come out to Red Bank um, New Jersey to see me in a play you know he got on the freaking train to come out and watch me in a show and that was like the last time I saw him. So beautiful. Yeah and he stood there back with us because it was our closing performance and he was like well I guess I need to get out there and see it you know. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you better come, Alan, because yeah. it's closing. And so, you know, or it's ending. And and so he came out and so he stood back there. I didn't want to tell anyone that he was coming because I yeah, didn't want anyone, I you know, do. to be nervous or I don't know and and so afterwards he was just backstage and everyone in the show was just like is that fucking Alan is that oh my god is that Alan Rickman you know and and so he stood there with us as we have our little champagne toast and and he was so funny he said something like because Carson was in the show too that was like the first show that Carson and I had been in together and we played bumbling idiot uh, servants in a Moliere school for wives uh, with Pippa Sue and Robert Stanton and of course Jackson. I mean, it was such a fun production. And I remember Alan afterwards being like, it seems like you and Carson are very much people who have to get out on stage. Like you are, you are, you know, you, you're chomping at the bit. You're like backstage just, and he was like, unlike me, who's just wanting to run back to the dressing room. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I think that's an accurate description. He was like, you guys seem hungry to be out on the stage. Whereas I'm like on stage terrified, just wanting to be in the safe of my dressing room. It's hilarious. I know. He's and, so sweet. And so then, you know, obviously that production made you stay in New York. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, at that time, I was, I think I was in Boston at the time. So I kind of, I did, I have, I've only been back in New York, uh, officially and like at home base for the last two years. Okay. Yeah. So wow. like, I mean, I basically went from LA to Boston, Boston to Kansas City, back to Boston, back to Kansas City. And then I, Kansas City was kind of, it was where I reestablished myself really as an actor, an artist after a long time of kind of not working, kind of self doubt, thinking, Do I don't know. Like repertory theater. Um, yeah, just at the Kansas City, uh, the KC Rep is the big uh, equity theater there. And I had been cast in something in a sh- local Shakespeare at the Heartland of America Shakespeare Festival. And while I was there, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so I ended up staying. And um, she's now, she's great. She's in remission. And But at the time, I was like, well, this is where I need to be. You know, this is where my life this is this is where uh, I should be and I want to be. And so but the, in, in that I ended up, you know, finding these art makers in Kansas City who really liked my work and gave me some challenging stuff. And and uh, Marissa Wolf and Eric Rose and people who really just loved what I was doing. And so I, I kind of got I got my mojo back a little bit and Kansas City. And then I started to get really like, well, I want to grow more. And so I, I got into the Actors Center and I, I started doing classes. And I kind of was jumping back and forth from Kansas City uh, to New York. And then I got cast um, in Shakespeare in the Park and Coriolanus. And I was like, I need to, I just, 
I got yeah. I need to move back. Like I can't Carson's like, you're the only person I know who has been cast in Shakespeare in the park and you live in your home based in Kansas City. He was it's like so, funny. so then I told Carson, I was like, Well, you know how you have that room in Bushwick that's just there, you know? Hey, cool, I'm gonna move into that. <laughs> So you guys are really so, close. Yes, yeah. we're we're like best friends. So so I moved in with him. I just recently moved out, but I was there. Um, it was a very easy place to just hop into, and so we lived together in Bushwick. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then when you got back here, did you have to reestablish yourself representation? Yeah. Well, and of course, right when I got back was when the pandemic oh, <laughs> started. No. So it was like I got back here. I was like New York, I'm back, and they're like boo. You know, like everything's yeah. unplugged, closed, closed. I identify closed. with that on such an uh, iconic level. Oh my god! So, were you doing like? Did well, you get rep or? Well, no. So then I I was uh, scheduled to do a show at Portland Center Stage. So I was out of Portland Center Stage uh, when the pandemic struck, I guess. And uh, then that stopped, and so I was out in Portland. I was kind of just like staying put for a while because Carson was like, "New York is in trouble." Like, and I had I have asthma, and at the time we thought asthma was like one of the big, you know. So he was like, "If you can stay put, just stay put. You know, we'll figure it out." So I was in Portland by myself for several months, and that's when I got the call about Red Rocket. Wow. And so, how, how did you know Sean? I went to NYU with Sammy Kwan, who is um, an amazing actor and a producer on Red Rocket. And she's also uh, partners with Sean Baker. And so yeah. she called me and said that they were supposed to go to Canada to film another project. And then, of course, the pandemic, they had to pivot. And so they wanted to do a smaller budget passion project of Sean's that he was working on with Chris. And so... That's kind of how it came to be. And she's like, you know, I was working out this morning and we're trying to figure out who would be right for this. And she's like, I just, I dropped my barbell and was like, Brie Elrod. Like, I, I just think Brie would be perfect for this role. And she's like, can you put and your- she studied acting at NYU? Yeah, she studied acting. Wow. She was a couple classes ahead of me, but we were always friends there. So yeah, basically she gave me a Marsha Norman monologue to work on because they didn't have things quite figured out yet. They were still working on yeah. the script. And so I just, I worked on it really like a long, long time and then put myself on tape and then I sent it to Sam and like a couple During of, the pandemic. Yes. Yeah, during yeah. the middle of the pandemic when I was like having an existential crisis about everything. Like yeah. what, is, what is my purpose in the world, yeah. you know? And what do we do if we can't get together and share art and ah, you know? Um, so then I, I was hungry for any kind of opportunity to, to work on anything. So even just getting this audition, I was like, yes. Oh, I can't wait, you know? Yeah. And so then I submitted it and then uh, like a couple hours later, she's like, you know, Sean watched it and was like, that's Lexi. You know, that's, that's, that's it. So you know? <laughs> So I, before we dig into Red Rocket, I got to ask, you know, <laughs> because like going from Boston to KC to LA, back to KC, back to Boston, like where, you know, because like obviously the show is a lot about struggle. Like how did mm -hmm. you not, you know, because every, everyone in this business, especially NYU, you know, like Corey Stoll, you mm. know, doing like Ant-Man and other people amazing, are, you know, doing backyard Shakespeare theater and, oh, yeah. it, and it makes no sense. No. There's no reason. There's no meritocracy. How did you, Brie, like stay buoyed and, and connected? And I think 
I stayed buoyed and realizing that the way I was going to stay in the business was going to have to be more self-generating and was going to have to be relying less on on other people to give me opportunities and trying to create my own, whatever that looked like, whether it meant even just a, you know, I'm not an amazing guitarist, but I love writing songs. So even if I could write a song or even, you know, and Alan was very supportive of that too, you know, just pouring yourself into something creative where you don't feel like you're just waiting for something to come to you, you know? My God, it's the worst. And you just... kills you. You know, and I I was talking to my dear friend of mine, he's a visual artist, and I was trying to explain to him, I'm like, you are so lucky because you can go down into your studio and just paint and just you don't have to like have somebody be like paint this here you go yeah Yeah, it's like and so I think when I realized that I had a bit more agency over my art um, that's what kind of kept me going and I just wanted to be creative in some way even if it meant that I was doing side gigs but I was writing a song on the side or I was doing a side hustle but uh, somebody wanted me to do a play reading I was like yes you know so I think I just tried to uh, find moments of creation, um, you know, amidst all of the self-doubt and questions and all of that, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and are you a writer other than, you know, songwriting? Do you No, do- mostly just uh, songwriting. I mean, I, I like I like writing and you know, I like writing poems and plays, but I, I'm not focusing on it or anything. So, and, and having a brother who's in the business, do you feel like that helps because you have someone, you know, that's literally related to you and you can vent and, and yes. go off of and have advice? Because like, yes. you know, when you're alone, it's like, the fuck am I doing oh, out I know. here? You yeah. know? Right. Yeah. And then the people who aren't in the business are like, what are you doing? It's you're so cute. miserable yeah. between <laughs> gigs. Oh, what yeah. is what is going on? Yeah. No, Carson's been such a source of uh, inspiration and support. And we can, you know, tell each other like, oh, you have this audition. Oh, they just gave it to somebody else. Oh, that's great. Oh, you know, you have that. You know, we, we get it, you know. Yeah. And so there's a... um yeah, there, there's a definitely uh, a sense of, yep, I know what you're going through. And, totally. and, and that's really nice to have. And he's also like a, such an amazing reader. Like anytime I have an audition, I'm like, Carson, can you read with me? And cause he's just such a great, you know, he's, he's, you know, he, and he coaches me, you know, so it's like the oh, best. You, so like if do you I coach him, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, he, when he asks, yeah, when he well, asks, I don't, you know, yeah. I'm a little sister. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want, but, but yeah, I definitely, um, we, Wait, we, was he at your audition? For what? For, for NYU. Oh, uh, no, I don't think he was. He no. was at mine. Oh, he was? Yeah, he gave me a call back and, uh, I, oh man, Mark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I do remember there being people from, because he was in the program at the time when well, you. I, I did undergrad. I took a few years off. I'm five uh, years sober. Okay. And I was like, awesome. I'm still very much in addiction. Oh, I right. did a rap. And your brother was like, oh, that that's cool. <laughs> yes, that seems right. Go yep, in. And then, and, right. uh, and Mark Wing Davey and Janet, who, you know, run the program or did, I don't know if they still do. They, no, not anymore. Um, they were like, you know, I did this awesome monologue from this play. I, I see awesome writing, not me. Sure, sure. But I felt really good about it. And they were like, they were like, cool. Can, can you <laughs> sing? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not a singer. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're not a singing school, you yeah. know. So I proceeded to do Santa Fe from Newsies and oh I just God. as I as I saw their face, it just went No, no. Guy. Oh no. I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. no. But thank you, brother, for the call. Oh, I will. I will I certainly will. Yeah. <gasps> Wait, That's... do you still remember the rap? Oh um I was like, Can you do a few 
Can you do a few beats? <laughs> I, I don't remember beats? it, but oh, okay. let me tell you, I was. Uh, <laughs> I never admitted this on the air, but I I was three weeks sober and I relapsed at my grad school auditions. Oh, fuck. yeah, yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. I mean, talk about high This is stakes. my first time doing it. You know, I had right. no one to, and oh, I literally for three weeks, I, this is before I was in the program or whatever. And then the night before I was like, it'd be fun to like be a little bit looser doing these. Oh God. And like, let me and say, Juilliard got a. <laughs> they got quite an audition. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But, oh man. You yeah. know, speaking of like drinking, so that world of, of Red Rocket, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, like, did you get the script and did you know where it was going and what the idea was of it? Um, yeah, I got the script before. Um, and, you know, reading it, I, you know, I said, okay, this is a very, this is a hard world. There's a lot going on here. And especially the addiction and Sean kind of played around with what drug he wanted for them to be in their world. And at first it was meth and then it was, you know, a different kind of heroin. And then he really settled on the chasing the dragon heroin, which is where you, you smoke for her. Yeah. Yeah, for her, yeah. <clears throat> for Lexi. Um, so of course I tried to like study as much as I could and watch without doing it. <laughs> without, I mean, I, I, I didn't want to go all Daniel yeah, yeah, Day yeah, yeah. on that kind of situation. Oh, um, his, his son was just here. <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah. laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so I did not go that far, but yeah. I definitely watched a lot on it. I did some research. I tried to figure out kind of how it's yeah. done. So that was, you know, educational. I had never seen that before. I'd never heard of it. I'd always thought heroin was just like uh, in the veins, just kind of needle. And yeah. it's not so that that was interesting. And I think Sean, it was very important to Sean to highlight that uh, there's a line in the film where, uh, well, Mikey sees them doing it in the backyard and he says something like great life choices, you yeah. know, and she comes in and she says they cut her pain meds in half. You fucking yeah, asshole. I remember that. And, you know, Sean really wanted to highlight that, you know, all, a lot of these people end up getting into this because of pain and because of like, um, chronic pain and, uh, opioid crisis in the country and like, and addiction and that this isn't something that's just these people are down and out and they're just, you know, trying you know, to get high to, I mean, a lot of people who have pain and we met people in the community who this was their story, you know, where they had been on uh, pain pills and then their pain pills were cut or they were no more. And then they ended up getting into heroin to relieve themselves of like extreme back pain or yeah. extreme, you know, so I, I think there is a lot of levels to addiction. And um, I wanted to honor that journey. Um, I, I, I think the world is doing hopefully something better where they don't do that to people anymore I legally because I, I have seen that. But I mean, yeah. when you when you tapped into that darkness, to balance the tone of that movie because there is there's humor to it was that tough for you I think you need it I mean I think the moments of levity are really stand out and kind of right when you think that it's really dark like the moment where you know Lexi is saying that she wants her child back her kid back or she's telling him that she wants to maybe try to get her son back and then she immediately shuts it down and just starts smoking like there ha like I think that there are several moments like that in the film where it goes from like kind of a gut punch to a oh fuck it whatever and I think you need that kind of like dismissal of it in order to keep going and that's what we have to do as humans when we have these like horrific or trauma in our lives like denial or you know moving into the next moment or like I didn't want to do it anyway or oh that's care you know like I think 
think that that it's a very human instinct that when something is really hard, you kind of just turn turn away and make a joke about it or totally you know whatever you can do to get through it and did you know simon beforehand <laughs> no wow. i mean i knew of him i you know of course googled him and was like oh yeah that guy yeah you know and of course then i looked up dirt nasty and yeah. mickey avalon and i was like oh yeah <laughs> so like i had those moments but I didn't really know him, you know, I hadn't followed him and I didn't, I mean, I knew he was a VJ, but I don't remember, you know, so yeah. we were just kind of showing up, you know, sight on, you know, sight unseen, just hopeful that each other were going to be fun and interesting and yeah. engaging scene partners. And uh, I looked out because he's, yeah, he's wonderful. Was there much of a rehearsal process? No, 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 no. Um, no, because there was just, it, it was such a short amount of time that we had and everything was so precarious. You know, right when they went to scout locations, there was a hurricane. So they had to go back to LA and then we were driving down from Pennsylvania, me and Shi Ching and I, and who's a producer and also played the donut shop owner in the film we were driving down from new york and then there was a call about sean had a false po or a positive test and then we turned around i mean like i said it is amazing that this thing was even made how so, many weeks um we were there i think we, it was about 27 days we filmed so like a month yeah like about, about a month yeah. so finally when we when we got there we didn't really have a ton of time to like sit around a table and like talk about like now when your character does it no it was like yeah we did one afternoon one afternoon of rehearsing that first scene because we knew that that was going to be where we started and so i think sean wanted to go through it a couple times to kind of get a feel for what is what is what's their history and can we see a little bit of that in there and what are the colors of this relationship and why doesn't she immediately just say get the fuck out like why does she i mean she walks to him i think that's kind of an amazing opening that she doesn't shut the door and just be like fuck you, you know she you hear her little flip-flops walking to him there is something about this man she's drawn to you know yeah. and and so you know so we rehearsed it a few times and then we had to do it the next day so it was really just kind of just you know diving in head wow. first and and hoping for the best and I, we really, like I said, I think we were really lucky that we were both so open and game and willing to play. And Simon was just so generous. He's such a generous actor that it was really fun to find their relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. Did it fly by, you know, 27 Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. You know, it was so fun watching it because – you know, I hadn't seen any of Susie's stuff, you know, because we didn't, we have one scene together. We have the donut shop scene, but like, we're not even, you know, we have like minimal interaction, yeah. but it's just, it was so fun to watch it because there were days that I was like, well, I guess I'll go and like lay on the beach in Galveston. Cause you yeah. know, it's like still COVID. I'm not yeah. going to go to like hang out inside anywhere. So like, those are the days that Susie was filming and they're like, oh, we're doing this roller coaster shot and we're doing this. And I was like, oh, have fun. Okay. I'll see you guys later. You know, like, totally. so it was kind of a surreal, you know, so on those days it felt a little bit more, you know, like, oh, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm filming, but I'm not filming, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm here on location, but, and it was really funny because I didn't really tell anyone, uh, much, many people that I was doing that. And so just on my Instagram, it just looked like I went on vacation by myself in Galveston yeah. in the middle of the pandemic. That's and people so are like, funny. What the hell are you doing in Texas? Could you not say? Did Sean ask to? I I think it was it was a little bit because it was, 
you know, so precarious and low budget and also just like DIY. Yes. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we were kind of like trying to be mindful of all that. And we didn't want to just alert anyone. We kind of just wanted it to be. And we also just didn't know if we'd be able to, you know, finish it because of, you know, yeah. So when we wrapped, it was like, oh, my gosh, we did it. We fucking did it. Congratulations. It's so (laughs) amazing. And then thank you. Talk to me about like, you know, sitting with how, how long was the turnaround between when you guys shot the last frame to to festival? I mean, I think we've shot the last frame in October of 2020. So then um, we got the news of the festival. I would say, oh my God, I want to say like March or April maybe? Or maybe even, no, maybe, of yeah. Of 21. Of 21. Okay. And then we were in Cannes in the beginning of June, I think, of wow. 2021. And that's the, that kicked off a year of like going to festivals and stuff. And and because of the secrecy, were you able to flex that into reps and, and other ones? Or? I, you know, I am, I, I ended at the end of the, at the end of the festival circuit, I had met with a few people. Like I really was really conscious that I wanted people to have seen the film before signing with someone. You yeah. know, I had a couple of people reach out who were like, I heard you're great. Speculation. Yeah. yeah and, I, and they're crazy. like, you're in a Sean Baker film. And I'm like, yeah, but did you see it? Do you know what I do? You yeah. know? And so it, I really was in, well, and because just given I've been in this business for so long, I was not in a rush. Like, okay, well, I immediately need to have someone. Like, I, I was kind of. I appreciate that about you. I, That's so I just, the opposite of where the business is right, right now. Well, you know? I, right. Where people feel like this pressure to be like, well, I got to get. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I was like, well, I haven't had one for freaking, you know, like over almost 10 years. So, like, why am I rushing now? You know, it like. It was so, 10 years without a rep. Oh, yeah. No, I've been. I've always been repped by, well, not always, but on and off by uh, Tracy Goldblum at Abrams, and she's now KMR. And so she's always been my commercial um, when I'm in New York. Um, is she still doing commercial? Yeah. That- yeah, she's still yeah. at KMR. She's still there. She's amazing. So she's always looked out for me. But like as far as like legit, no, I hadn't had representation wow. years, years. So like I said, it gave me a little bit of just like a, eh. Okay, let's see what let's see what comes up from this, and then I ended up signing with anonymous content. Um, yeah, yeah. Congr- uh, was Which there a, a part of Bree that like would have been totally fulfilled doing the repertory theater life? I mean, I hope to still, you know, I hope to still do theater, and I I I love the theater. Broadway and, needs you. Yeah, listen, yeah. I want to go. Yeah. Um, but. I loved working on this film so much that it kind of ignited a, a new love for wanting to learn about film and yeah. film acting and filmmaking. Like I just was – and, and the, the fact that this was shot on film and that was so special. And I remember Simon saying to me, like, Bree, this is a really rare thing that we're getting an opportunity to improvise on film. Like the, the, we have such – we have so few shots. Yeah. Like you really can't just do 500 takes. It's on film. So like you're always taking it out, putting it in the can. And, you know, the guy goes into the van, puts it in the thing. You know, it's like it really it, – it was so fascinating as an art form to learn. And now I'm just like craving doing more. Even I mean even if it's not film film. But like I just – I want to do more film. I want to yeah. learn more about it. Um, so I hope to always do and, – and to your point, would I have been happy doing that? I, I, I think so because I, I – it's what I've known. Um, and I, I'm filled by it. I love the art of uh, getting around a 
table and uncovering a character and doing research and finding out what makes a person tick. But this was such a different beast and it was such a different challenge as an artist that I really – it just made me hungry for more. Do you feel like you know that was uh... – your film school, so to speak, like taught yeah. by Sean Baker. Oh, yeah, one of the, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I mean, it was really was like filmmaking one hundred and one. I mean, I I was watching the whole time. I was like watching in between takes. I was watching how things were gone. I was watching him direct other people. I mean, unfortunately, I had I most of my scenes were just like you know. Does he have a DP or no? Um. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew Daniel, who is amazing, but yeah, he. Uh, he was really it's such a fascinating um, director and I, I really enjoyed he's so collaborative and he's so interested in your opinion but he also has his own you know ideas of what you know needs to be done and and I really respected him and I respect him as an artist and I respect his eye and because he edits it I mean he edits the entire thing himself and so he's editing as he's filming and you can just see like that he's like oh, I'm gonna do a cut there I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that you know and so it really was such an incredible experience to work with him and watch him and to like work with Simon too who you know has done a lot more film than I have so yeah I but was, you're incredible I was watching that. you're him. so electric oh, like thank- I'm so proud of you Brie you know thank I mean you. like you deserve the best and <laughs> thank um, you you know a couple, couple final questions I'm yeah. curious you know a lot of people can get caught up in the fame bullshit especially like something that has like so many awards and is in the mix for that you seem so unfazed by that, and I love that. What, like, how have you tactically just stayed away from it, or mm-hmm. you know, play like what? How you know? Because it's just it, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it is crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I do. I, I had a moment, and I remember. I think I. I reached out to Carson. It was, it was a moment where I arrived in LA and I checked into my hotel and the hotel was like, you know, provided by A24. Yeah. It was this gorgeous hotel, you know, in the Hollywood. And I opened the door and soon there was a knock on the door and it was just boxes that were sent by my stylist of like amazing outfits to try on for like the premiere or like, you know, the, one of the, the big events in LA. And I just, I was like, I sat there in the room, like looking out and I just like started crying and was like not all days are like this yeah. like this is a this is a very cool moment in my life not not all moments will be like this in my life but i'm going to savor this moment um and so i think that's the way i've kind of gotten through through it is that i've just i've recognized it for what it is like i'm going to appreciate that i have a stylist right now to give me some baller ass outfits totally. for these things and i'm going to love it but i'm also going to know that maybe next year i'm you know i'm going to be back at l train vintage looking for <laughs> most of my clothes yeah. um you know and so i think that it's just like kind of also just knowing that it's all kind of uh you know it, it's all a, a show you know it is, yeah. and it and and what what really fills me this year what has been the most fun is just sharing it you know yeah. sharing this piece of art that i'm really proud of that i'm i'm proud of everyone in this i'm proud of susie for you know being so vulnerable and and open to trying things i'm proud of simon for taking the fall in some of those scenes that are so gut-wrenching i'm proud of all the first-time actors that are doing work that is so out of their comfort zone i mean i just so to me the the beauty of you know all of the stuff and the awards and everything is just that we get to share it you know that's that feels so special oh that's so amazing what an incredible answer and i'm just wow (laughs) thank you (laughs) of course and uh you know i'm curious what what kind of work do you want to do now? You know, now that you probably have some flexibility in what you can do, like, uh, what's interesting to you? Porn. 
What if I did? <laughs> what if I just? I was like, that's it. Bread Rocket yeah. really just yeah, got me yeah, into yeah, the yeah. porn industry. Super so boring. I just want to do hardcore porn. Um, you know, I really just I want to do um, I want to do projects that have a uh, a point of view that have a uh, passion that have something that that makes people talk. I mean, that's been really the one of the most fun parts of this experience is that you know there are some divisive tr- and certainly triggering themes in this. Uh, but it's getting people to talk. And yeah. I love that people are like leaving the theater being like, what was that? Yeah. Or what did I just see? Or what was that ending about? You know? And so, God, if I could find more ways to do film or television that had some more themes and elements that made people talk about things, yeah. that would be, I, I, I would feel so lucky. So, yeah, I really. That's I just I really want to do more yeah film. Really. Do you have anything you can announce yet? Or? <laughs> no, not yeah, right yeah, now. Soon. Um, soon coming. Um, but you know I did a few days on a new uh, Rachel Lambert uh, film that Daisy Ridley is producing and starring in, and it was filmed in the fall in Astoria, Oregon, and it's going to be really really good and dark and interesting and yeah. So I, I'm excited about that to come out next year. So that's so rad. Yeah. And and I got to ask, you know, for all the actors out there, you know, the young breeze, you know, <laughs> what 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 advice would you have, you know, for I mean, I know that's such no, a I fucking know. loaded question, yeah, but, but no, but it's true. I mean, I guess <clears throat> my biggest advice is just kind of stay true to who you are and challenge yourself, you know, find ways to stay creative in the times in which you feel like you're not getting opportunities and whatever that means to you and and to really you know, it sounds so cliche to like say, I guess maybe, yeah, take ownership of your uniqueness, you know? So yeah. like really just double down on like, this is who I am and I'm not going to change who I am to fit into something that may be more castable. Like I'm going to just stay who I am. And of course I will challenge myself and try to, you know, do different things, but like I, this is me. And that's part of what's going to get me the jobs is that this is me and there's only one me. I love that. Brie Elrod, this was incredible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Of course. Thanks for having uh, me. Next project, come back. I I would love to. And we'll break it down more. And I'm just so excited. And it's going to be amazing. Like It's just getting started for you. And the best is yet to come. Thanks, Ryan. And enjoy it, man. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So much love. Thank you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 